Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we missed a week. How have you been? I've been great. Um, went down to Steelers rookie minicamp for a day. I've been on out of town quite a bit this past week, and starting next week, I'll be at the Steelers facility quite a bit, so that's kind of interesting for minicamp and all those good things. Yeah, mandatory minicamp coming up. Yeah. I, I can't believe it. It... <laughs> We just wrapped up the draft, it feels like, and, and we're on to the next thing. Yeah, you're right. And it seems like this week or two is a little bit down in terms of NFL news, but not in the dynasty world. I mean, this, there's a lot of rookie drafts going on right now. Absolutely. Rookie draft season for sure. Uh, and, of course, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, in, in today's show, we're, we're going to take a look at the rookie tiers that have been, been created, uh, not by me or you, Matt, or or uh, any any other analyst, but we're going to look at the ADP that's been created. We have rookie ADP from almost 200 actual rookie drafts that have taken place on myfantasyleague.com. These are, these are not mocks. These are actual drafts that are going on, and they've all taken place since the NFL draft. So tons of data. We're going to look at, at this data uh, tier by tier, talk about some of the players making up those tiers, and we'll also take some listener questions regarding rookies along the way. Before we get into those tiers, our first question comes from Tom. Tom says, what do you guys do, if anything, to avoid overinflating the value of rookies and temper your own expectations in the midst of rookie fever? Uh, well, first of all, it's really tough. It is. It's really yeah, difficult. Right. Um, you you want to add these these new players to your team, and uh, and even when you... When you get trade offers of veterans for your rookie picks, it becomes very difficult. You you just think that new shiny toy that that we talk about so much is is going to be so much better, and and we know in many many cases that is that is not the truth. Um, I guess one thing I do, and and if you if you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen this during the draft. As soon as a pick is made. And, and a, a rookie quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, lands with a new team, I immediately put that player in my dynasty rankings, in my positional dynasty rankings. So from the jump, basically, I'm kind of telling myself how I feel about that player compared to veterans in the league and, and uh, even players as young as last year's rookies. And, and of course, that changes it. We we talked about that on here as well, Matt. How often our rookie rankings change? Almost every time we look at them, really, as we get new information and analyze these players a little bit more. But giving myself that first glimpse of how I how I rank this rookie compared to everyone else who was already in my rankings. That kind of helps me keep a, a little bit of perspective. What about you? Yeah, I was going to answer pretty much the same way because. I'm doing my rankings now for four for four, and originally, you know, right after the draft, I start putting my rookie list together, like my top five rookie, or top 50 rookie list. You know, who's better, Jacobs or Harry, blah, 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 all the way down. But then, when you, it's a real smack in the face to me when I started to insert all the running backs in with my already, with my existing running back list. And I think that the more, especially in this class, it could be really good business selling one seven for somebody. You know what I mean? Like, like and here's an example: is 
quarterbacks are the easiest to me. And we know the value of quarterbacks is low in a non-superflex two-quarterback league. So I put Kyler Murray in as my 10th quarterback for Dynasty. Mahomes is one, Lux two. And Josh Allen's right next to Murray. Winston's right in that neighborhood. And you see people take Murray with like 1-7, 1-8, 1-9. And in this class, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, he might be the ninth best rookie. But could I trade Josh Allen and get 1-9 for him? You know what I mean? Like, if Allen is equal to Murray, give or take, I can't get this. I can't get 1-8 for him. No, certainly not. And, and it, it sounds like you're maybe a little higher on Josh Allen than consensus, but you can... In that neighborhood, though, right, yeah, yeah. Right, you can insert any Russell other name, Wilson. Winston, that, right, Winston, uh, Cam Newton, guys like that, and you're absolutely right. Basically, what we're, what we're looking at is different types of value, different ways that, that fantasy players um, assign value to these players, and when, when you cross that, it doesn't always make sense. So maybe you want to take... Maybe you want to take T.J. Hawkinson with your mid first rounder, mm-hmm. but you're only going to rate, but you're still rank, ranking him behind O.J. Howard. Behind he's my Evan ninth Ingram. tight end, right? So can I get one five for Najoku? No, no, you know, right? No, you know, no, 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 right? Yeah. So uh, that that becomes certainly very tricky, and and those are things that we we should be taking advantage of. Uh, it you know, depending on how you feel about these certain players. And, and the quarterback and tight end positions especially, uh, we, we mentioned those two with Murray and Hawkinson. Those are really the ones where, uh, where you can take advantage of it. Yeah, right. I mean, sitting there, boy, I won a lot for 1-5. Okay, but if I can get a quality back and Montgomery and Sanders is gone – what other running back can I get in that neighborhood? You know what I mean? Like, if I can get Devon, Tevin Coleman or, I, I don't know, I'm just Geis or Michelle or somebody like that, you're going to get a better player with the veteran than you probably will with the value of the rookie you select. Yep, absolutely. And that uh, the mixing of all those different values, we talk about trade value, and then you mix in ADP. And uh, when you look at your rankings, and, and then when you factor in the rookies, that's a whole other uh, a whole other piece to it. That really is probably worthy of of a, a full pod on its own. Maybe we'll have to come back to that. Yeah, and, and along those lines, I know we're going to talk about when we get to his tier, but you mentioned Hawkinson. Like, to me, he's in the same value of Najoku, Ebron, Fant's not much different, Henry's not that much different. But if Hawkinson's going 1-6, 1-7, and again, I, I get that. He might be the seventh-best rookie, how many tight ends would you give up for 1-7 straight up? I mean, guys that are higher on the list. I'm not sure I'd do Evan Ingram or OJ. You know, I mean, I'd give Kelsey, I'd give Kittle, but that's about it. And, you know, guys ranked higher than him, it just doesn't add up. It, it absolutely doesn't. Like I said, that's that's a deep conversation, mm-hmm. uh, but a good one. Uh, and, and certainly uh, well worthy of uh, of exploring more. So I'm, I'm going to put a star on that one and, and come back to that talk. Let's look at Tier 1. This will be no surprise. Uh, it's Josh Jacobs. It's Nikhil Harry. Again, this ADP comes not from mock drafts. Th- these are not our rankings. This is based on uh, nearly 200 actual rookie drafts that have taken place in the month of May 
on my fantasy league. Josh Jacobs is the top overall player with an ADP of 1.2. Nikhil Harry, an ADP of 2.3. And then we see a little bit of a gap to the next player. Uh, Any issue with these two guys at the top, Matt? No, but I think Jacobs is clearly one. You know, I mean, not like Saquon level. Harry just brings more risk with him to me. You know, I, I don't know that he'll adapt immediately. Um, I just think Jacobs is very, very safe. I think that's fair. Uh, and, and I do currently rank Harry as my number one overall rookie. Uh, if if I had the 101 in any league, I, I don't, unfortunately. But if I did, I, I, I would take Harry. But the more I think about it, I think you're right. Jacobs is safe with uh, with all that we know about him, despite that limited production. And if anything, he's more likely to produce in year one. So if we're fast-forwarding a year into the offseason following the 2019 season, we can project Josh Jacobs to, to gain value, and, and maybe maybe Harry will as well. Uh, he's, he's certainly going to have a good chance at some early playing time in New England also. But he, you're right. Jacobs is just really safe. So the the more I think about these two, I am I could see a flip-flop with, with those guys and putting putting Jacobs at the top spot just with the idea that this time next year I could trade Jacobs for Harry plus. Plus. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I don't want to harp on this conversation we were having before because you're right. It's a whole podcast by itself. But I'm looking at my receiver ranks, and I have Harry as my 24th. I have him right there with, like, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, all guys I like a lot. But if Jacobs is gone and I'm sitting there at 1-2 and someone offers me Cooper Cup in 110, I think I can get that. Yeah, yep. That, that's a reasonable trade, and and it's also reasonable to rank Cup and, and Nikhil Harry in the same tier. So... Uh, again, that's that's where the lines kind of get blurred. We got a question from Mr. Orange. He says, why do people think Harry will outperform Gordon and Cooks in the same role before Tom Brady retires? Well, I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I, I haven't really seen anybody say that Harry would necessarily outperform Gordon and Cooks. We saw both of those players, I think, gain value once they moved uh, to New England, and and Harry is certainly uh, experiencing that now. Getting, uh, I don't know if we can say he's he's getting a value bump. He was the he was the one hundred and one heading into the into the NFL draft. So, but but at least his his value is now insulated. I think in New England, what kind of numbers do you expect him to put up compared to Josh Gordon last year, Brandon Cooks the year before? Yeah, I, I take a little umbrage with this question because I, I don't think people were expecting him to outperform those guys. I mean, Cooks was pretty darn productive in his season, yeah. and Gordon's a hard one for me to even pin down because he's suspended so often, and who is he right now, and um, he hasn't been there long, so I almost have to take him out of the equation. But I also don't know Harry's going to be used like those guys. I mean, he's not as fast as those guys. I mean, he's not a burner outside the numbers, run past corners. I mean, if they drafted DK Metcalf, I would say that. I mean, I think Harry is going to be Corderell Patterson in some ways. I think he's going to be tunnel screens. I think he's going to have some Aaron Hernandez features. 
So I'm sure they have a plan in place, but I don't think it's the Brandon Cooks plan. Right. I, I, I agree with you that the comment in the same role. They're both wide receivers and they're not Edelman or Welker, but that's not the same role. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think it will be the same role as, as either Gordon or Cooks. Um, Harry can play inside or out, so maybe that's a little bit of Cooks, but of course we'll see we'll see Edelman pretty much holding that spot down at least in 2019. Uh, I agree with you; they're going to be able to do a lot of different things with with Harry. He, I mean, he can be a special teams guy if they need. You mentioned mm-hmm. like like Patterson; he can uh, he can carry the ball if they need to. I don't think we'll see him used exclusively as a running back like they they did with uh, Corderell late in the season, but. He's certainly uh, certainly a flexible player that they can do a lot with. To his credit, though, I, especially with Gronk out of the equation and much more so than Cooks, I would think they look his way near the end zone. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. So, yeah, I, I, I do think not in 2019 necessarily, but but down the road, I could I, I think he could definitely put up um, wide receiver one, wide receiver two numbers, which is what we. Uh, what we got from Cooks and what we got from Gordon when he was really clicking uh, last season in New England. One last thing I want to throw out there, and then I want to tell our buddies, uh, tell people about reality sports online, is I know it doesn't seem like it'll ever, ever happen, but what if Brady retires after this year? I mean, what's Harry's value then? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the question that comes up a lot. Mr. Orange there kind of referenced it as well, but I've just gotten to the point we have we have so many receivers in the league affected by this, right? Because yeah, we have so yeah. many so many of these quarterbacks that are are getting up there in age. I mean, the Patriots, obviously, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Saints. Uh, we can even throw the Packers in there now. I think Rogers, mm-hmm. I believe Rogers is thirty five. So um, none of those these guys are going away um, this year. But it could be after this year. It could be two to three years down the road. And um, honestly, I've just kind of, I've almost taken that out of the equation because there are so many receivers, tight ends, being affected by these impending retirements. That's probably smart. Brady's the one I just think more about, though, just because he's a little older. What if he wins another Super Bowl? I I don't know. I I mean, what if Belichick retires? I I mean, it seems like it'll never end, but someday it's going to end. I I don't know. Um, But by now, most of you probably heard of Reality Sports Online. We've told you about them quite a bit. They're a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is all about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contracts, salary cap functionality, and way more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. If you think you're among the fantasy elite, and listening to us sure helps, well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can still test out your general manager skills for free in a mock draft free agency auction. If you like what you see, use a promo code BLUEPRINT, all lowercase, all in one word, to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. And remember to use our promo code BLUEPRINT. Matt, let's get into the second tier. It's it's tough to 
to really divide these tiers uh, and, and kind of take my own opinions out of it. But looking at the data, mm-hmm. we've got Miles Sanders uh, coming in third. His ADP is 3.8. David Montgomery, fourth, ADP of 4.2 uh, before we see another drop-off. So I'm, I'm calling that the end of a tier. Sanders, David Montgomery, pretty typical to see those guys coming off three and four. And, and if somebody else sneaks in there, they don't fall too far so Sanders and Montgomery, you feel safe with both of those guys in the short term? Um, I do agree that they're a tier for me as well. They're three and four, but I'm not sure which I prefer. I like Montgomery more short term. I think he will clearly be the number one dog on his team. I think he might contend for Rookie of the Year honors, but I think Sanders is more talented and long term in a better situation. Um, so they're really interchangeable to me and I don't have a ton more to offer there, except for, I think they're three and four for me in any dynasty draft I would do. I think that's, that's pretty fair. Uh, Sanders is, Sanders is actually my, my number two player, uh, in my personal rank. So obviously I like, uh, I like him being up this high and, and would take him even higher. I also agree with you that I think he's a, he's a safer prospect or, or maybe even a, a prospect with higher upside long-term Montgomery's he feels like more of a short-term play. And maybe that's just because we have that recency bias of how the bears are churning this, this backfield. They drafted Jordan Howard uh, late, got what they needed out of him and moved on. And I think dynasty owners are maybe even overvaluing Montgomery because he's a, he's a name we've known for a long time. We considered him the RB1 in this class for a long time before Josh Jacobs and, and Miles Sanders really started moving up the board, uh, both in dynasty ranks and uh, according to NFL teams. But Montgomery was was still, what, a fourth-rounder, Matt? So and They traded up for him, and I think it was a third. Third-rounder. Okay, sorry. Um, I don't know. Do you think he's – is he a guy we can pencil in? to the Chicago backfield for for the next five years? I don't think so. I think he's the lead guy now in maybe three years. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, they could easily find someone more valuable. I could see him having a short career. He's taken a lot of punishment already, and he's not super dynamic. But I do think he gets a lot of touches, and he's a decent receiver too. I mean, they obviously like him quite a bit. I think Howard cloud Sanders a little bit for 2019. Yeah, yeah, for He's sure. Not bad, you know, right? No, yeah. no, not at all. And and even talking about Montgomery and five years down the road, that's that's not a knock. I, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be playing dynasty with a five year window and and even the three year window, which is has kind of become the the default. I think is I don't know. I I don't want to say. Especially for running backs. Yeah, I, I don't want to say it's it's unwise. I, I just don't think it. I don't think people actually use a three year window. I think we say that, but really we're all playing a, a much shorter term game than that. Right. Like is is even the guy like McCaffrey? Is he going to be a top five, ten running back four years from now? That's a long time from now, for sure. Uh, we've got a question along those same lines from Greg. Greg says. Do you feel the top three running backs, and of course he's referring to Jacobs, Sanders, Montgomery, have staying power? Will they survive the incoming 2020 class? And would you uh, would you move a perceived late 2021st 
to get one of Jacobs, Sanders, or Montgomery. Uh, we know we know dynasty owners are protecting those those 20, uh, 2020 rookie picks as they should be. But if you have what looks like a late pick, are you swapping that for one of these three guys? I mean, Jacobs is one one for me, so yes. I mean, I don't think you're going to get that done. I mean, I don't think the guy sitting there at one one is going to take your good team and going to give me your 2020 for one one. Um, that's probably true for one three and one four too. So, um, I think the better question is the first part of this question. I think Jacobs has staying power. I think Sanders has staying power. And kind of like we were talking about Montgomery, I think he has the least staying power. You know, like the Bears might, you know, use a first-round pick on a running back next year. Maybe. I mean, I think they're more likely than the other two teams. Yeah, I agree. And uh, back to the idea of flipping one of those guys for a 2021st, I agree on Jacobs. I don't don't think that deal's getting done. Uh, But I actually saw our buddy Curtis Patrick make a trade of sending a, a 2021st for Miles Sanders. And it, it wasn't just mm-hmm. the draft pick to draft Miles Sanders, but it was actually Sanders after he was on a roster. And I think sometimes that's the difference. Once these players get on a roster, they they lose a little bit of value. And it's the same idea yeah. as driving that new car off the lot. Um, there's There's a lot of upside and excitement with the idea of picks. But once those picks become players – Things change. Yeah, I mean, like, if I'm sitting here holding 1-3 and my draft hasn't happened yet, I'm not going to take a future first for it. You crazy? You know, but if I have Sanders a week from now, and he's my fifth most valuable running back or fourth, and I kind of like him, but I wouldn't mind picking up an extra pick, I'd, I might consider it more, like you said. Yeah, I guess I would just end this with saying that I think, I think the 1-4 might be the worst position to draft from this year and really? and part of that has to do with the way i value sanders and the way i value montgomery i guess as well doesn't sound like you're high on montgomery you don't want to get stuck with montgomery at four i don't i don't and it's not okay. that i don't want montgomery i i don't want him at four i don't see a huge difference uh even though this this current adp has a gap i don't see a huge difference between montgomery and some of these other players that we're going to be talking about in tier three like, would you rather have Philip Lindsay or Marlon Mack or... Oh, no. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Leonard Fournette. Fournette would be a discussion, more th- more so than the other two you mentioned, but um, no. I'm, Geis? I'm, I'm, I'm getting worried about Geis. I am too. Yeah. I'd, How about Derrick Henry? No, I'd, I'd still take Montgomery over there, over those guys. Okay. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not hating Montgomery by any means. I'm just... I don't feel like he's locked in at that four spot. I guess I'll say that. Okay, that's fair enough. Which leads us to our next question here about the five guys, I assume. This is gets hairy to me. In, in tier three, yeah. Tier three yeah. is tier three is pretty crazy. We've got DK Metcalf leading it off uh, with an ADP of 6.4. A.J. Brown comes next, so that's he's sixth overall. Uh, this this is this is where it gets confusing, Matt. Sixth overall, but an ADP of eight. So that's that just goes to show the parity of of this class. Mm-hmm. Next up, means he maybe goes twelve in some draft. Exactly. Next up, TJ right. Hawkinson, and then finishing off tier three is Paris Campbell. So that's that's getting us down to uh, the the latter part of the first round. Where uh, that that has Campbell coming in at one point eight. 
We got a couple questions about DK Metcalf. The Dynasty villain said, what's too high for Metcalf? So according to this ADP, he's coming in at five overall. And we also have some data about the highs and lows. His his high was actually four overall. So, so not too much of a range for him. He's going between four and 11, according to this data. Can you can you make any argument for taking DK Metcalf above the guys we've already mentioned, the the running backs Sanders or Montgomery? No, um, I don't love him. I'm certainly not targeting him. I'm not trying to trade up to get him. But to me, he's a little bit better than the rest of this tier you mentioned. Like to me, he's almost clearly five, and in a tier himself, especially with the Baldwin news. The deep passing in Seattle, all reports are good. It's just that those other three, and this will be more of a tier four discussion. Like, I don't want to pick at one eight, one nine. Like, there's a big group to me after Metcalf that are all the same. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and again, we're we're leaning on the data uh, in this episode, and that gave us this tier of of four players: Metcalf, AJ Brown, Hawkinson, and Campbell. To me, I see very little difference between this tier and tier four that we'll get to soon, which is filled with uh, a handful more players. So I agree with you. If I'm picking uh, really anywhere from four on, I'm trying to move down, certainly five or six on. I'm trying to move down, get a couple picks in that late first, early second round range, and and fire a couple bullets at at these players rather than just one. Yes, and... Again, this kind of blends tiers to me, but we just did, what, Hyperactive 4? Yep. And I think I was picking 8 or 9, and I did everything I could to get out of there. I think I was picking 9. Because to me, A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel, and maybe even two or three other guys, they're all the same to me. I, I can change them in my in my rankings over and over. Yeah, yep. Uh, so... We got the question of what's too high for DK Metcalf. I don't. I don't think we necessarily answered that, but four. I guess. I guess higher than five <laughs> might be too yeah, high. Right. Okay. I think uh, he's a steal at six, and I wouldn't use number four on him. And, uh, and yeah. now we'll go the other way. Brad says, "Is is DK Metcalf just DGB two point oh? Doriel Green Beckham two point uh, He's a player that uh, I know I was a big fan of. I think you were a believer in in Green Beckham as well." I don't know if I put those two guys in the same category, honestly. What do you think? No, I mean, they're both big and they look good walking in the door. And I guess they're fast, but Metcalf's much faster. But Green Beckham, I mean, he didn't even he didn't even play his, his last year. I mean, he had massive character, work ethic, off-the-field concerns. Right, and, and it's tough to look back at guys like that and, and pinpoint the one thing that went wrong, but we can feel pretty confident that for Green Beckham, it was off-field, personal, you know, behavior, whatever you want to say. Right. Those those were the main issues. It wasn't necessarily on the field. And uh, unless you know something I don't, I, I don't think that's an issue with Metcalf. No, I don't think so. I mean, if he if the injuries are reoccurring or he's asked to change direction and run a lot of in-breaking routes, then he may fail. But uh, I trust Seattle to use him properly. Another uh, question about a player in this tier, Paris Campbell, coming off the board eight overall. Eric says, I wanted to draft Paris Campbell at 1.3 this year, but decided uh, and was persuaded to go with an RB1. Would you give up 
a mid-2021 for Paris right now. You know more about the 2020 class than me, but it sounds like it's probably going to be very good. I don't think I would do that. I don't uh, think I would either. I, and and I really, <laughs> I really hesitate to even get into the 2020 class because I, I know we, we do it every year and and people have to be tired of just wait till next year talk. Right, right, right. But and then th- three guys get hurt and one guy doesn't come out. Right. Yeah, it, right. Th- things like that are going to happen. But it really, it really is exciting when you look at some of these, some of these players. We had a lot of, uh, a lot of these running backs break out as freshmen. Uh, so, for a little while, it was thought of as the 2020 running back class was going to be just amazing. But now, after last year, after their sophomore season, uh, we saw a lot of wide receivers uh, really kind of come onto the scene as well. And then you had a couple guys go back to school like. Tyler Johnson, uh, Colin Johnson, Brian Edwards, those are guys that we expected to be in this this current class. They all chose to go back to school, uh, making the 2020 class even stronger. So I don't think I would give up a, a 2020 first, uh, certainly a, a mid-first for Paris Campbell at this point. Right. Like, I don't see Paris Campbell ever being a top dozen wide receiver even if he hits perfectly or I mean like I like the player I saw you just took him recently I'd have no problems taking him in that neighborhood but how much is he going to be used this year um he might be fourth or fifth in the the pecking order in Indianapolis right now he's not an accomplished deep receiver Uh, he wasn't a first round pick in the NFL you like I like him but I'm not doing cartwheels over the guy Let's get into Tier 4. Tier 4 starts with Mecole Hardman, uh, obviously the the big riser since the NFL draft. He's up to 9 overall. Debo Samuel, Noah Fant, Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown, Daryl Henderson, and Hakeem Butler. So we're looking at, at 7 players in this tier that gets us well into the into the second round, we're we're down to 15 overall. That was Butler. Lots to really dissect here. Let's let's start with this. I'm going to say these names one more time for you, Matt. And I want you to tell me the player you're not drafting. You're totally avoiding in this tier: Hardman, Debo Samuel, Fant, Murray, Marquise Brown, Henderson, Butler. Who doesn't belong, according to you? They all do. I'd love to say this guy. I mean, Fant is probably my lowest because of the position he plays. But I would put Brown, Hawkinson, and Campbell right in that mix, too. And, again, I think that tier is really, what, nine guys or so. And the difference between one and nine on that list to me is very minimal. And I hated having to choose between them. I want to pick... You know, one twelve instead of one six, one seven, or even two two. You know, I mean, you should have won more games, right? Right, or lost a whole bunch and picked two one. Yeah, I, I mean, I can make an argument for all, but none of them are great in my opinion. Um, Murray's kind of his own animal, but there's none that I think distinguishes themselves, which is rare. I know it'd be better radio if I could say, "Boy, Samuel stinks." I don't think I don't like him, but I think they're all very similar. Yeah, that's that's what the ADP tells us as well. Uh, for me, I guess the guy I've been avoiding uh, in this range is Marquise Brown. The Baltimore passing game has has been, uh, you know, dissected 
enough by plenty of other people, uh, ourselves included at times. I already had questions about the player. There's obviously size concerns there. Can he uh, can he translate to the NFL? We don't really know because of the injury. He, we didn't get to see him uh, work out pre-draft at the combine or or anywhere else. So, to me, it's it's just like there's there's a few things that I'm worried about, and those few things kind of uh, combine to push him to the bottom of this group for me. And in fact, there's. Uh, there's at least there's at least two players in this next tier that I would take over Brown. Wow, it's interesting because in Hyperactive Four, when I was forced to make a pick, when I couldn't get anyone to bite, I took Brown. Yeah. <laughs> and was I excited about it? No, I would have liked him three picks later. But my logic was, okay, I'm going to use as a tiebreaker that he's a first-round pick and NFL teams know more than I do. And I believed in Lamar Jackson a year ago. I don't nearly as much now, but I think he has to be a better passer than what we saw. So that's why I went with him. I mean, he's the only first-round pick of the group. Right. So, yeah, not only was he first-round pick, he was the uh, first wide receiver drafted. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's – unless there's a big trade or something, he's almost – a lock to be the wide receiver one for Baltimore. So those those are obviously the things he has going for him, along with what we think is game breaking speed. And again, we we want to see that. I think we know that. Uh, do we? I don't know. On film, he's a blur. Well, but, I mean, unless he's injured. No, I mean, I think. Well, I'm sorry. He, I shouldn't question the speed, but I guess I should. I guess I'm questioning the the game speed, right? How how does that look in the NFL compared to the Big 12? Yeah, I, is, I hear what you're saying. Is he getting by NFL D-backs as, as easily as he did in, in the pass-happy, no-defense Big 12? Right. I mean, he's not going to be in wide-open spaces like that. He's not going to you know, have the, the, the free releases, and certainly that style of offense he's in is way different than the one he comes from. And I will say, I'm usually prejudiced against the – Ted Ginn, Deshaun Jackson, yeah. all or nothing type receivers. I mean, he may not catch many passes. Well, he may not need to. Yeah, he's right. We'll see. He's he's going to be. Uh, I think one of the really one of the stories to watch throughout this this rookie season because again, you've got a guy who was the wide receiver one in the class, and he's currently the wide receiver uh, what seven or eight uh, according to ADP. So. That's another one of those things that doesn't quite match up. We've got a few questions about players in this tier. Our buddy Tubaka says, uh, oh, he's got a trade question. Debo Samuel and Andy Isabella for DJ Moore. So are you giving those two rookie picks, essentially essentially giving a late first and an early second for DJ that's Moore? That's, that's what I was about to say. That's like 110-205 for DJ Moore. Does that sound about right? Uh, yeah, that's fair. And I think I would do that. I think I'd prefer more. But I bet I could at least coax you to give me a future third and maybe a future second in the deal. I think I was going to say the same thing. I think you can actually push for more. And, and maybe mm-hmm. that's the the rookie hype that uh, that Tom was asking about at the beginning of the show. Um, I, I've, got, I've got a few concerns about Samuel. He's older than most of these other guys. He's had injuries. Uh, I, I'm, I, I kind of question how they're gonna, going to use him in San Francisco. I think Dante Pettis does a lot of the same things well that Samuel does. 
I, I'm making this trade for more, but I agree. You can you can probably get a draft pick thrown in. Mm-hmm. I also worry about Samuel that we talked about, you know, with the running backs earlier. Are they um, able to avoid, you know, next year's crop where the Niners might draft a stud receiver or trade for Amari Cooper type? You know what I mean? Like, they might not be done. Right. Tim says, Hakeem Butler or Andy Isabella? Who's the best rookie wide receiver in Arizona? And does it even matter with Christian Kirk on the team? We got into this a little bit on our last episode with Evan Silva. They've they've got Larry Fitzgerald. We know that's a short-term play, possibly possibly looking at his final season in, in 2019. But then after that, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Kirk and Isabella play a really similar game. Butler, we expect to be stuck on the outside. Uh, I mean, are there enough balls to go around with this team? What do you think? Um, I prefer Butler over Isabella because I preferred him so much more pre-draft. And I'll concede that I was too high on Butler and the NFL proved me wrong, that he's he's no longer my wide receiver one. But I loved what I saw from him on tape, and I think he's more touchdown-related than you know, or oriented than Isabella. I'd rather have Kirk than both, but I do think there's enough balls to go around. I, I just think there's going to be a lot of three and four receiver sets, yeah. and you know, get it out quick. And I'm excited to see how that offense works, but I'm optimistic about it too. I am too. It it, it might be one of the most fun offenses to watch and, mm-hmm. and follow sure. throughout the uh, throughout the season. But for fantasy owners, it could be frustrating in that one week it's Butler, one week it's Isabella, next week it's Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, and then they're they're using David okay. Johnson. Yeah. Um, this, this is a team where you want to target uh, all the players if you're playing in best ball. Uh, in but in in straight dynasty straight fantasy where you're setting setting a lineup every week it could be a little frustrating yeah i can see that i mean i think the offense will move the ball i think kyler will be really fun to watch like i keep saying i want our arizona and hard knocks this year yeah that would be great <laughs> uh, as i mentioned matt we're out of the first round with this group down to 15 overall 2.03 in in most leagues a uh, question from Matt. He says, at what point in the first is it more beneficial to trade a likely trade for a likely top five 2020 pick? I'm thinking he, he says, I'm thinking it's around seven or eight, but I'm higher on the class than most. Uh, I, I think he is probably higher on the class than most. If I'm looking at a potential top five pick, I'm doing that maybe as early as 1.04. I, I mentioned earlier, that's the kind of the breaking point for me and uh, we want as many 2020 picks not just first rounders but as many 2020 picks as we can get it's certainly a dangerous game but if you look at this dude's roster and you're like wow this could be 1-1 he's terrible I'll give you DK Metcalf for him you know which to me is 1-5 and if it's a good chance a reasonable chance of being in the first half of round one I think I'm in business around 1-6 yeah yeah, I think so as well. Um, th- those are actually not trades. You know, we talk about those trades a lot. Those are not trades I've seen too much in, in my leagues. So it's become kind of trendy to hate on this class and to um, 
No one ever does it during the draft, though. Right, during the draft. <laughs> right, right. People are picking. I've, I don't know that I've seen it once, actually, uh, of a first-rounder being flipped for a 2021st, even when we get to the, to the late portion. It's funny because I have a rookie draft coming up where I have one five, and I'm pretty sure it'll be Metcalf, and I'll certainly entertain offers. But maybe I'll just take someone's first, and people will say, boy, you sold, that's a bad deal, Matt. And maybe I can even get more. I think it's fair to ask for a first and a second. If you're talking about 1.05, mm-hmm. for sure. Or first in, I don't know, Antonio Callaway, or I don't know, somebody that's okay that would make your roster that has some value. How about I take a second to tell everyone about Harry's? I've told you about them before. They have changed the way that I shave. I'm very diligent about shaving every day. I used to be an electric guy because my face, is, my skin is very sensitive until I found Harry's. So join the 10 million, including myself, who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com dynasty. Harry's founders were tired of paying up for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. They knew a great shave didn't come down from gimmicks like vibrating heads and flex balls and whatnot. But they fixed, that, they fixed all that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a very fair price. Harry brought the world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. And they've received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Harry's replacement cartridges are only two bucks each. That's half the price of Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. And all Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. So here's what you do. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. It's a weighted ergonomic handle that's wonderful in your hand. Five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. Rich lathering shave gel. It smells wonderful. And a travel blade cover. And listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know that we helped, we sent you to help redeem, help support the show. Let's get into tier five, Matt. Again, this, uh, this data is all coming from actual rookie drafts taking place on my fantasy league, almost 200 of them in the month of May. Tier five begins with JJ Arcega Whiteside. Andy Isabella, Devin Singletary, Irv Smith, Damian Harris, and Justice Hill. So that gets us down to 21 overall. Uh, let's let's start with at the top with Arcega Whiteside and Isabella. With Arcega Whiteside, how do you expect him to be used in general in that Eagles offense? And do you think we're looking at a redshirt year for him? I do, but I also like the long-term prognosis. I mean... The Eagles got a left tackle, a wide receiver, and a running back. You know, like, that offense, I think, is going to be awesome for years. And everyone knows how much I love Wentz. Um, I don't think Alshon's long for this world or long for the Eagles, you know, in general. And I think he'll, you know, overtake Jeffrey as that guy. But I also think that targets are not going to be plentiful, though. I mean, Ertz is the centerpiece of the passing game. And I think Dallas Goddard quietly, don't don't tell anyone, is going to be awesome and maybe better than Earth someday. We just have to wait. So I think he's a complimentary piece, but his profile sets up for touchdowns, and we know how important that is for fantasy. Yeah, I love Arcega Whiteside. The more and more, um, you know, the more we hear about it as, as these rookie camps and things, 
It sounds like that's the way it's going to go, that we're not going to see much of him this year. I just don't know that I trust Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and Nelson Aguilar to, to stay healthy. So I, I think we mm, might yeah. might see more of him than maybe the Eagles coaching staff would, would like at this point. We already talked about he's AD. He's first a, on my list. Uh, real quick, he's first on my list of this group. I, I assume he is with you too. I know you've liked him for a long time. Arcega Whiteside? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he and Isabella are, are really close for me. I, I like both of those guys. And mm-hmm. uh, even though this is what the data tells us, I see those two more as tier four players and, and separate from these running backs and, and Irv Smith. Yes, I have those two clearly ahead of the rest of this group. All right. And I have a couple people in this group ahead of these dudes. So we've got three running backs in this group. I think all three uh, certainly saw their value impacted by their landing spot in a positive way for Singletary uh, being drafted by Buffalo, Justice Hill going to the Ravens. And then Damian Harris lost a little bit, lost a little bit of value. He was he was a guy who was routinely being selected at the end of the first round in in pre-NFL draft mocks and 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 even a few actual drafts that I was tracking. Uh, now he's he's in New England with Sony Michelle. Matt, I, I talked about this on the DLF podcast this week. I'd rather have Damian Harris than Sony Michelle. I'm I'm ranking Damian Harris ahead of Sony Michelle. Do you think that's a little crazy? I've been selling Michelle forever, and I loved him a year ago. I just think the writing's on the wall of him not being a long-term guy. I wasn't impressed with him on the field. I think that's still crazy. Um, I would rather Michelle than Harris, but I see where you're coming from. I think you know the teams don't lie to us, and right. this is very, very telling. It's almost like the Rams running back pick. I mean, yeah, pay attention, guys. Yeah, exactly, and and all of the things that you said the writing was on the wall, it, it really was. The usage with, with Sony Michelle was was weird, I thought. We looked at him in, at Georgia, and he was an explosive uh, playmaker, could you know could catch the ball and get out in space, and, and New England kind of tried to make him a between-the-tackles banger, yeah. and, and like I don't get it. Blunt. Yeah, and, and then you factor in the injuries on top of that, and – you know, we heard bone on bone and, and in the knee, and who knows how how much truth there is to that. But uh, at least that's out there as as a concern for fantasy players. And then you've got Damian Harris, who, like you said, they don't lie uh, on draft day. That teams don't lie, and they they add this guy who kept Josh Jacobs on the bench, who kept uh, Najee Harris on the bench, who was the top running back. Uh, recruit in his class so to me Damian Harris is, has just always been a little undervalued and, and I think that's certainly happening again with this landing spot I love him at this this 20 overall spot yeah uh, you're selling me on him because I didn't love the player I thought he was kind of a monotone guy but the way they use Michelle I mean they don't ever throw him the ball I mean he is the biggest tell in the world they can't be happy with that yeah, well, I just really thought, and they don't ever seem to to care about having that do it all running back because mm-hmm. they have they have five guys or four or five guys, and they're fine with James White just catching the ball and um, 
you know, guys like Blunt or whoever it might be in that year, just, just being the short yardage guy. So Michelle, this time last year, felt like a guy who could kind of do it all. He could catch the ball. He could, uh, he could run in, in the red zone and, uh, and everything else, but they didn't use him that way. They still used, they still used white. They still used Rex Burkhead. And, um, so yeah, is Damian Harris going to catch the ball? No, probably not. Not too much, but no, probably not. I don't, I don't think he has to. Yeah, you might be right, but I bet he catches more passes than Michelle whenever it's his time. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Matt. Uh, Troy kind of uh, has a question about this. Uh, this same topic that we're talking about. Uh, what's the impact of Damian Harris in New England? Is he a, is he just a Burkhead replacement? Is he mm-hmm. competition for targets with with James White? Are there concerns about Sony? Uh, so we I did talk say, about this a lot, but he's not yeah. a Burkhead replacement. He's not a good enough receiver to be a Burkhead replacement. Right, right. And I, I don't even know if I would say he's competition for targets for White. I think White is still going to get his. To me, yeah. White becomes a huge, a huge buy from all of this because there there are certainly concerns about Sony Michelle as we've talked about. Uh, Damian Harris is is a good value, but he's still costing you a, a, a nice pick in the second round. People just forget about James White every off season. He's he's still going to produce. Uh, remember, early in the regular season in in twenty eighteen, this is a guy who was a top five running back for a big chunk of the season. So he's, he's the player, yeah. right? He's the player that that we should be targeting uh, out of all this for sure, along with Damian Harris. Yeah, and I think you get out on Sony while you still can. Unfortunately, I sold Sony in two trades where I got Doug Baldwin back, so that didn't work out so well. But um, I've been getting out of, from under Sony for a while now, and he scares the heck out of me. All right, Matt. We'll do one more, getting into the uh, getting into the third round here a little bit. Tier six. Dwayne Haskins, Miles Boykin, Kelvin Harmon, Deontay Johnson, Alexander Madison, and Jace Sternberger. I know you love Jace Sternberger, but I want to hear what you saw with Deontay Johnson at Steelers rookie minicamp. Yeah, he was um, a little bit more slapped together than I expected. I mean, he's a thicker build than I guessed, you know, just from his height and weight measurements. Um, Moved well. I think they have, you know, a pretty good idea that everyone's comparing to Antonio Brown, which is just foolish. I mean, I hate those kind of things, but I do think he will be used. Um, you know, they have two slot guys in Switzer and uh, Eli Rogers, and they have two outside guys in Washington and Moncrief. And I think they look at Johnson and Juju as let's move them all over the formation. And I think that helps them quite a bit. Um, I'm high on him. I think he's right in this neighborhood though. I mean, he, in terms of my rookies, I have him at 23, right behind Justin Hill, right ahead of uh, Madison. So do you think Johnson can come in, you know, small school guy, was was pretty much off the radar. I don't think anybody really expected him to be a day two pick. Can he come in and contribute right away? And, and is he a real threat to either Washington or Moncrief in 2019? I don't think so. I think he'll be the punt returner, which is something they really needed. So that gets him a hat on game day, and that's the first battle. But my hunch is Switzer and or Rodgers doesn't make the team, and that would be good for Johnson as maybe he's the primary slot. But just a little nugget, I know this isn't what you asked me, 
James Washington might be a buy right now. They really still like him a lot. And I think people might say, boy, they just drafted a receiver pretty high. I'm going to dump Washington. I would be a buyer on Washington. Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Madison is a guy who I I think probably got a little bit of a value bump uh, through the NFL draft, drafted um, late day two, higher. He got a Waldman bump too. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Higher than people expected. Uh, looks like he might be the backup there in Minnesota. We know about uh, Dalvin Cook. He's he's had a, he's had some struggles staying on the field as well. Do you like Madison in this early third round range? Yeah, a lot. I, I'm very bullish on this run game. I'm very bullish on Dalvin Cook. But I also recognize Cook's injury history is very concerning. I mean, going back to Florida State, I think he's primed to have a monster year and their line should be better. And Gary Kubiak. I mean, that's all you need to know. I mean, Kubiak running backs. And they they picked this guy pretty high. Yeah, I I like Madison a lot. I I I own zero shares, but that makes me sad. Yeah, I own zero shares as well. Uh, But... We knew Minnesota would be looking for a backup after losing Latavius Murray. Didn't really have anything of note behind Dalvin Cook. And and I think with a guy like Cook, you have to have somebody you can count on. It tells us a lot that 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 somebody uh, looks like it's Alexander Madison. Like, I would much rather have him than Devin Singletary. Really? Yes. I, I, I wanted to talk about Singletary earlier. I think he will be the number two for the long term. I just don't think he's very talented. Like, their first-round pick next year might be a running back, or they might sign somebody. I think everyone thinks he's the next Shady McCoy. I think he's a number two for a long time, and it wouldn't shock me if D.J. Yeldon leads him in rushing this year. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair. Maybe maybe I was more surprised by that than I, than I should have been. I mean, they have Gore, they have Yeldon, they have McCoy for now, and, and of course, they have... Um, they have Singletary that they've added. He was not good at, at the combine, did not no. perform well. I think he he was another guy who dynasty players thought might be a first rounder in rookie drafts, and and the combine told us that wasn't going to happen. Um, I, I don't know. I don't love the landing spot in in Buffalo. We're we're backing up a tier now to tier five, uh, but I, I do want to hear your thoughts on Justice Hill. He seems like the perfect complement to Mark Ingram to me yes and I think it's worth noting and this goes for Boykin too we already talked about Brown that offense the theme is speed I mean you look at I mean their their tight ends are higher end athletes early draft picks you had Boykin and Brown to that offense Jackson's the fastest quarterback you're ever going to see and Hill's like the best tester of all the running backs in this class so I don't know that he'll be an instant impact guy because him and Miles Sanders worry me a little bit because Sanders is a fumbler and Hill's bad in protection. And when backs don't see the field, those are major reasons why. But boy, I mean, he's going to be, he's a dynamic aspect to that offense. And I think that we might be, I've been, I, I say a lot of bad things about Baltimore's offense in general on Steeler Nation radio and in, in general, but <laughs> I think we might be sleeping a little bit because it's going to be very, very fast. All right, Matt, that will do it for our show today. We had lots of other great questions, and we had more rookie tiers to talk about. We're going to get into that on our next show. We'll continue this this same topic next time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blue Dream.